Well, I want to jump right in. I know our time is moving. And I want to just uh, pick up from where we left off. It's been a little while, but we started about five weeks ago in the book of Jonah. And um, they stand alone, each of these messages, but we're going through each of the four chapters of Jonah. So, of course, in two weeks, we'll do chapter four, just as a heads up and kind of finish up. And and in chapter three, that's where we are today. And, and Jonah, in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets there, we're going to look and, and, and I pray that God will just challenge but encourage us to, to go forth boldly and to uh, be everything and, and, and all that God wants us to be. Amen. So praise God. We're in Jonah chapter 3 and I'd like to just read chapter 3 this morning. There are 10 verses in Jonah chapter 3 and we can go through those quickly and I encourage you to follow along in your app or in your Bible. Whatever version you have is okay. But we'll read in chapter 3 of Jonah. And the Word of, of God says this. The Bible says this. Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the Word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. When Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne. He laid aside his robe from him, he covered himself with sackcloth and sat on the ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and it said this In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we shall not perish. When God saw their deeds, in verse 10, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. That's a great way to end that passage, that God did not do it. Amen? I mean, it's, that God didn't follow through on what He said would happen, that, there would be, that Nineveh would be destroyed. What a great way to end that chapter. How many of you remember the first time you learned how to ride a bike? I, I kind of do, you know. But some of you are younger, you might remember. Some of you remember because you have good memories. My memory's not that great. But the point is, is that when we learn how to ride a bike, it was probably, I would venture to say, for the vast, vast, overwhelming majority, when your parent or your uncle or aunt or your older sibling, whoever it was, got you up on that bike and you sat on it and you started pedaling it, I doubt that you got it the first time. Some have. Some have. Some have, but it's very rare, right? But the bigger picture is the point is it doesn't happen in one try, 
You got on there, and I remember Preston and Cohen and Sharon too, right? We're riding, we're going along, you're holding the seat, and you're like moving along, and they're riding, and all they're doing, they're pedaling faster and faster, and you're like, no, no, don't focus on the speed, focus on the balance and control, man, you know? But they were just going, going, because you think the faster you go, the better off. It's fun, right? And you're being held. And then when you let go, and maybe some of your experiences were, when you let go on that first time, you, you took a spill, whether it was hard or it was soft, whether you needed to get bandaged up or not, you, you, you didn't go very far before you took a spill, and, and then you needed to do it again. And, the, and, and think about this. Think about the beauty. And this is a great picture of who God is regarding you and me, and even Nineveh, but especially Jonah, that, that we got a second chance to get on the bike with the support of that person who could hold us up and teach us. Amen? We did. And, and maybe a third time. And for some of us, a 40th time. And an 80th time for some kids that just couldn't get it for a while. And maybe some haven't still gotten it, but they're trying. But mom or uncle or brother or sister is there over and over trying to encourage. And just because you fell down, you don't give up, right? You don't think that's it. Your failure was only temporary. And that's what happened with Wrong Way Jonah in chapter 1, right? Remember Wrong Way Jonah? He went the other way when God told him to go to Nineveh. And then in chapter 2, he was saved and righted. He was righted by a God-sent whale. Oh yeah? I still got a plan. I'm still going to support you. I'm still behind you. I'm going to use you. And he used that whale and says he gets cast out of that ship. And in chapter 2 in that whale, and he gets taken up by that whale. He's saved by that whale. And then now he finds himself spit up on the beach. And God comes to him a second time as we read in verse 1 and says, go and preach, please. Well, he didn't beg him. He said, go preach. Now, let me ask you a question. When you go back to learning how to ride a bike, when that person, whether it was your mom or dad or whoever it was, when they, were, when, they, when they would let go and you'd go for a little while and then all of a sudden you veer off into the bushes <laughs> and you're in there and they're pulling you out, right? Did, did that person, did they get mad at you? Did they yell at you and say, you're so clumsy, you have no balance and you're only three years old for crying out loud? Did they do that? No. Did they claim that you'd never get it? You know what? You're never going to get it. I give up. It's all over. You should give up too. We tried once and it's over. Actually, we tried five times. Forget it. I'm done. We didn't do that. God doesn't do that either. He doesn't. And so this morning, when we talk about what's going on here with Jonah, it's all about the fact, and, it, and, and we, we start off with this concept and this truth and this picture that God doesn't give up on His plan and His plan will unfold. And we've mentioned that the past two times in the past two sermons. Jonah's getting another chance. He failed. But listen, it's important to remember that God's plan will keep going in spite of our failures. This morning, I want to take a look at what was the catalyst of the greatest revival recorded in the Bible. I mean, all of the Ninevites, the entire city, in the end, turns to God. What was the catalyst of this? What is it about this revival? What caused all this to happen? Can I tell you what it was very simply? 
the shortest sermon ever preached. Yeah, no, it wasn't by me. The shortest sermon ever preached. Eight words in the English language, but in the original, in Hebrew, it's only five words long. Forty more days, and Nineveh is... That's the message. That was all he said that we know of. Now, I don't know. He may have said more. That was the message he got from God. It was the the shortest sermon or prophecy ever preached. And there are three truths Really simple truths that are so here, but we can miss it. And we have to remember and be reminded about our own lives as Christians, as we, as God has called us to be messengers of the gospel. We've been given a commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. Because God's with us, and we've been given that message, the gospel message. If you know what the gospel message is, and you don't know how to preach the gospel messages, just quote somebody, John 3.16, you've preached the gospel to them. Start there. Start there, but preach the message, a simple message. Keep it simple and sweet when you talk to somebody, right? But there's these three truths. And first, notice the source of Jonah's message. What or who is the source of Jonah's message? It's God himself. God himself. That's really, 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 really important because God is the God, and and we've seen this in Jonah's life. We've seen this with the sailors in the boat. We've seen this now with Nineveh that's coming into play, and we see it unfolding. That God, who is the source of this message, He is a God who is gracious, He's patient, and He's persistent. That's who's behind this message. It almost seems like it doesn't make sense that this God who is gracious, patient, and persistent would say, Jonah, here's the message. Forty more days and Nineveh is destroyed. That's the message. And he's got to walk around saying that. That's what his message is. But God is, and he sends this message because he's gracious, patient, and persistent. Hasn't he been these things with Jonah? I mean, he's, Jonah's gone the wrong way and God still saves him out of the ocean with this whale, spits him out and says, here's try number two. Let's see if you can get your balance on that bike and do it the right way. Are you going to turn around on that bike and try to go the other way? I'm going to give you another chance. When God called Jonah in verses 1 and 2, he doesn't say this to Jonah. He doesn't say, Jonah, go to Nineveh and proclaim the message I tell you. That's what it says in Scripture. But let's get it right this time. He doesn't say that. He doesn't ridicule him and knock him down and say, forget it, it's all over. Can't you get this right? God gives Jonah a second chance. And Jonah, I guess to his credit, is a quick learner. I mean, if I, I guess I would be too, if I was scooped up by a whale in the ocean and then spit out into the beach and I'm still alive by God's mercy and grace... I think I'd learn my lesson too. Wouldn't you? How many of you, even to, to, to put it in your own life, how many of you even on your second try on that bike got it right? Not many of us. You do it over and over again. Jonah has failed in his first commission, but his failure is only temporary. There is a huge difference between failing at something and being a failure. Big difference. And, and Jonah isn't the only person in the Bible who failed God at some point. And you have too, by the way. And I have. 
And God gives us second chances over and over again. I mentioned the first service. I'm going to say that again. God gives us second chances. God is a God of second chances. Thank you, Dennis. God is a God of second chances. We love that, don't we? It's so good that God is a God of second chances. I love that. You love that. We thrive in that. We keep proclaiming that. We keep standing on that. But I want to give you a word of warning. Even though we have so many examples in the Bible about God giving people second chances, do not presume that you will get a second chance. Sorry. That's not guaranteed. God is a God of mercy and grace and second chances. And I will proclaim that all day long. And I believe that 100%. But we also believe 100% that we cannot take license with that truth and then say, eh, I'm not going to obey God because he's going to give me another chance. That's what I'm saying. No, it doesn't work that way. How would you react to your child? It's, it's not easy. You might be patient. But if your child keeps doing that with you over and over again, it changes things a little bit, doesn't it? You, am I making myself clear? You, you still, God loves you, you still love. You're still patient. But listen, don't, don't, don't think that you can just take that liberty and do whatever you want. Well, because God's gracious and good. So, and then when I'm ready, after all my, my, my blatant disobedience and turning away, no, but God is a God of second chances. But don't take that for granted or lightly. Because I don't want to remind you, and it's not to scare you, but I want to remind you that there are just as much, actually there are many more people in the scriptures that weren't given a second chance because God is holy and just and wants our obedience. So both are true, but don't take your liberty in your mind and in your attitude and your heart. And as chapter 3 opens here, God again calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. And if we were in God's place, I imagine at this point that we'd have, we would have had enough of Jonah. Let's find someone else. Again, God is patient with his prophet, and he recommissions him. And God doesn't give up on you, as I mentioned earlier. We, <clears throat> there are untold numbers of people who think that God has given up on them. Wrong. Wrong. God hasn't given up on you. Our God is an awesome God. He has plans for each of us, and we can't fail enough to ever change those plans. Can it look different how it unfolds? Yes. Can we hold things up? Can we get in the way? Yes. That's why we don't presume on the fact that God is so gracious he'll give us 50,000 chances. We don't know that. But he is a God who's compassionate and merciful and patient. But I love that we have that encouragement because it keeps us going. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the prophet says, and by the way, Jeremiah, when he prophesied, when he preached, He wasn't short like Jonah was. If you read Jeremiah, ooh, man, some of his prophecies were long and they were detailed. And in fact, they're even explicit when he talks about the relationship that God had with his own people as his bride. And there's some things in there. He was very detailed and long. So God uses people in different ways, right? But, But the beautiful thing is that even in Jeremiah, God says through Jeremiah to his people who had been given many, many chances over and over again, right? Yes, they have been. He says, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. 
plans for your welfare and not harm. To give you a future with hope. And Jeremiah is writing this when God's people are like, God, you stay there, we do our thing. God says, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're still mine. I'm a covenant God. Yes, I mean, and I'm being patient with you. I I wasn't patient with some of your ancestors, but I'm being patient with you right now. You're going to go through a captivity. I still have a plan for you. I still have a future for you. There is hope. So get on board. Don't keep resisting and doing this to me. Get on board and obey. And Jeremiah gives this message that God has a plan. We have people in the Bible running from God, attempting suicide, committing adultery, murder, making false idols, disobeying God, lying, stealing, and the list goes on. I mean, there's pretty bad stuff in there. And yet God still used them to accomplish great things. God never gave up on his plans for those people, and he will not give up on his plans for you. He won't. It cannot be ignored, and I must remind you, that the value and power of a message is dependent upon its source. This wasn't Jonah's wisdom. He was freaking out. That's why he ran away. To walk into Nineveh as this prophet, who I don't know what he looked like after he got out of that fish and on the beach, and he starts walking through with kelp hanging from his ear and saying, in 40 days, Nineveh, you're done. I mean, how to think about that. But he... But, but he did. God gave him that chance, and he obeyed, and he did. And, and, and listen, there is, there is the value and power of that message is dependent upon its source, and the source of Jonah's message was God himself. Verse 1 and 2 tell us that clearly. God is the source. The origins of this message come from God. You know how powerful his word is? God spoke. And it was in creation in the book of Genesis. That's it. As Christians, we believe that with all of our heart, that out of nothing God created. God spoke and it was. And and that's the power that God had. Scripture tells us throughout the Psalms and even the prophets that God's word is eternal. It lasts forever and ever. It can't change. It's immutable. It is God's word. It also says in the Psalms, and there's a Psalm about the, the children of Israel who are wandering in the wilderness. And it says, the psalmist writes, you sent your word and you healed all their diseases. It's God's word. He speaks it and it happens. When God says it, it's going to happen. Period. That's the power of God's word, the authority, because it's God, the sovereign, the Lord of the universe. And in fact, if we jump ahead real quick, and time is going, but, but Jesus himself, John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the word. Oh, it's awesome. The power here. The source of Jonah's short sermon was God himself. It wasn't Jonah's wisdom. He, if it was up to him, man, he would have been going in there with his tail between his legs and scared and wondering if the Ninevites were going to take him as a crazy, insane man running around saying the city's going to be destroyed because they're all powerful and mighty. And they would have strung him up literally and put him on a line. That's what they did. That's what they would have done. But no, this was, God was the source of this message and Jonah's got to go and he goes. Second, notice the delivery. 
There's a message, but notice how he delivers the word of the Lord, this sermon. Verse 3 tells us that it would have taken him about three days to cover the city. So he starts walking. I don't know if he started shouting, if he was mumbling. I don't know how he did it. But he basically said what God told him, what's recorded. Now, I don't know if there's anything else. We don't know. But it's recorded that this short little message is, again, 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. That's all he says. That's all he says. And again, I think people are thinking this guy's crazy. And he's going through this large, large city, whether he's going through or around, but he's making sure the word spreads to as many people as possible in five Hebrew words. And there are three simple points to his delivery of this message that has its origin in God himself, from God himself. When, where, and what? In 40 days? Nineveh will be destroyed. That's the message. When, where, and what? Short, not so sweet, but clear, and having its origin in God Almighty. That's what he brings, this delivery of his. It was a message of warning. So brevity is totally in line because of the urgency of the warning even though he says it's 40 days, it's urgent. He's got a big city to, to, to talk to and to, 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 to mention it to and to pass it on to. And it was probably repeated as he walked, of course. Think about this. No microphone, no internet or social media. God, we can't live without that today, can't we? Just can't do it. Nothing wrong with it, but can't do it. He just had the greatest Sound technology ever created. Vocal cords. It's all he had. It's all he had. His voice in a city of 120,000 people that took three days to walk around. His voice and God, he uses that technology obediently and he talks about the coming destruction. Warning. Warning, destruction's coming. Warning, warning. Here's the other thing that's really important that you've got to take to heart. That message that we deliver, even as God's children, has to come from God, right? The message we have comes from God, comes from His Word. We have it. We have the message. And we take it forth and we tell people about the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for sinful people, right? And we have a hope. But listen, you've got to understand that that delivery we give It's got to be repeated sometimes. I'm sure he did to get to different audiences. Sometimes to the same person. Say what? You're telling me as a Ninevite that our city is going to be destroyed 40 days and then it was going to be destroyed. You're crazy. 40 days and then it was going to be destroyed. Keep going. And keeps talking. Repetition is sometimes necessary, especially with our loved ones and our friends that are thinking, you're crazy, man. Come on. Tell me about this Jesus and God and that there will be an end to this world one day. You're off your rocker. We preach the gospel and everything associated with it because it's God's word and it's by his authority. He's the source. Preach that gospel. And listen, Jonah did not add or take away from the word that God gave him. He did not alter the message. We have no right to add to or take away from the word to help God with his message. God has spoken 
It's clear and he means it. Just pass it on now. Proclaim it. If Jonah would have added or taken away and said, oh, you know, you guys are an awesome nation. You're powerful. Everyone fears you. I mean, listen, God's really not happy with you guys. And, um, you know, so shape up. No. 40 days, man. The warning is, and that's it. You're, you're, you're so unrighteous. You're so wicked. You're so violent in all your actions and your attitudes. You're done. And it's coming. It's a warning. You, it's 40 days. You got, you got this warning, but you got 40 days. He did not alter message. And I just wonder today, I wonder today, as you listen and as you, and I, 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 I caution you and I encourage you as we often do, have your antennas up all the time, your ears up. Know the word of God because there's a lot of stuff in our world and, we, and things you read. And again, I'm not... I'm just telling you as a pastor, as a brother, be careful when things are added to or taken away from the word or the gospel itself. Uh, we just got to soften it. It's not soft enough. I'm going I'm to make it even softer. Oh, that's not harsh enough. They don't really get it. I got to really give it to them. Maybe, but don't add. Don't add and don't take away. Just present the truth, the word of God to people in its simplicity and its clarity and just tell it the way it is. It might not be a five-minute message. It might be a, tw- a five-word message. It might be a 20-minute message with hundreds of words. But pass it on. Pass it on and don't add. Jo- Jonah's sermon was the word of God. He did not add or take away from it. And he just simply said, when, where, and what. That's it. Finally and lastly, notice the results of Jonah's sermon. I mean, I, don't even, I can't even state this more simply because the word of God does. When Jonah sticks to God's word and delivers exactly what God tells him, things change. Like, good things happen. When we add or take away from the word of God, and we want to help God, bad things happen. They do. If you look at church history, you will see what happens when the word is polluted, corrupted, it is used in a way and handled in a way that is not consistent with other parts of Scripture or who God is and His character. And we have a problem when we create a false sense of security in people and by doing so we can hold their hand and walk them right into eternal damnation. Just give them the truth in God's Word. God's word stands on its own, and you don't have to add or take away. There's change. In verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on a sackcloth. Did you hear that? When Jonah does what God wants, because he knows God is the source, and that he doesn't add or take away from the word, and his delivery is consistent and clear, and he keeps preaching it, people change. Who would have thought the Ninevites would believe this, take it to heart, and that something is happening, that all they hear in 40 days, Nineveh's done, and they melt inside. It's because it's God's word, and God's word is powerful and does things inside of the human heart and human spirit that your words can never, ever, ever do. Ever. It might encourage you. It might help you emotionally. But in your spirit, it's the word of God. When you give someone the word of God, and it is powerful, it changes you on the inside. Even the Ninevites, yes. 
could change. They changed their ways. And how do we know? Because when you believe, there is change. James says that faith without works is dead. It's impossible to have faith in no works. They go into mourning. They put on the sackcloth, and they sit on ashes. And it's a, it's, a, it's a picture. It's a demonstration that they're in mourning. They are sorrowful. They regret it. They're, they're, they're sorry, seriously sorry, and they're lamenting their state. And they're crying out to God. Even the king says, who knows? If we do this, maybe God will be compassionate, and he will not do what he said he would do. That's faith. That's falling after God. And it's, it's a powerful thing that's happening in this, in, this, in, 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 this, uh, in this text, in this chapter. And any warning, think about this. Any warning of judgment suggests the possibility of mercy. Let me ask you a question. We're almost done. Why preach to Nineveh if they're not going to be given a chance to repent? It's always there. To some, I mean, it's got to be there. I mean, and why give them 40 days to decide if they actually believe this or if destruction will actually... Why give them 40 days? I mean, it, why did Jonah dread preaching to Nineveh? I mean, we talked about those a couple weeks or a few weeks ago in chapter 1, that some of the possible reasons why he was afraid of that. But ultimately, it's because he knew God all too well that God is a God of grace and mercy and compassion. And the king of Nineveh also understood this, and he asked, who knows, God might be compassionate. Look, an unchanging God, the unchanging God of the Bible does not change his mind, just to be clear. Because listen, you don't put up warning signs if you want people to drive over the cliff. Do you? I mean, do you think about, just think about, I mean, just... If even if you claim you're good-natured or you're good, and you're going to put up a sign on your property, and you know there's a 300-foot-wide and 50-foot-deep sinkhole, and you don't put a sign there, and you know that you have traffic coming in with kids in the neighborhood, you wouldn't put a sign there. You really don't care? Just any normal... I hate to say it. Just being human. You, you care enough to do that. Why would God put a sign up before the cliff if He didn't want them to be spared? And in this message that God gives Jonah, it's an implied condition, repent and be forgiven. God cares too much. God loves too much. God persists after people in His grace and mercy. You remember the story about the son who wanted his father's inheritance before he was dead? And he took it, the prodigal son, in Luke chapter 15. I think it's 15, right? And he takes it, and then he squanders everything. He goes out for a while, and then he finds himself with nothing. No friends, no clothes, no nothing. And he's sitting there, and the way he's surviving is he's working in a pig pen, eating their feed right next to them. Picture that. But then he comes to. There was a word. There was a thought. There was a truth about his father. And he comes to, and he says, oh, wait a minute. I realized something. I did something wrong. I've sinned. And this is what he said. When he comes to himself and he returns to his father, he says this, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. His offense was not just against his family, but also against God. And, and this kind of confession is the beginning of repentance and just recognizing that our bad behavior hurts other people. It hurts ourselves. But it's ultimately a recognition that our bad behavior hurts God. The king isn't satisfied 
with a superficial show of remorse. He wants a change of behavior, and he decrees that it be so. God wants a change of hearts, and he wants a change in behavior. That they would give up their evil ways and their violence. In verse 8 it says, God requires an about face. And that's what happens because Jonah preaches the word of God and delivers it in its simplicity and purity. Here's the summation. Jonah obeys after being given a second chance. The Ninevites repent. And God relents. What an awesome story. Is it not? Is it not an awesome account of how amazing our God is? And again, from chapter 1 to chapter 2 to chapter 3, the whole theme ultimately is that God is a God who saves. God had compassion and He relented. His relenting and his, or his repentance and is due to his compassion. As we close, I read one scripture from 2 Peter 3.9 and we'll pray. Peter reminds us in 2 Peter 3.9 that God does not want any to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. You know how that happens? When we remember that the source of our message is God and we deliver it for what it is, I'm telling you we're going to see results. Don't compromise the message because God's word works powerfully. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we give ourselves to you this morning as your people and we ask that you would use us, Lord. Help us to be consistent in our messaging. Help us to not try to help your word because your word is powerful in and of itself. Thank you for the authority of your word that you stand behind your word and that you mean what you say. Help us, Lord, to declare how great your love is that you sent your son to die for a sinful world. Lord, help us to be faithful and help us to be encouraged by the fact, the truth, that because of the power of your word that is delivered by simple people like Jonah and ourselves, there are great results and transformations that will happen in people's lives. And in fact, revivals take place, revolutions occur, spiritual revolutions. Lord, help us to be a part of that, empower us, we submit ourselves to you, and as we go, use us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Preach the word. When the opportunity is there, share Jesus. Amen.